Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast on the Youth Critic Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast. I'm your host, Kale Smith. Joining me this week is David Weiser from Film Assessment. Hi, everybody. All right. And David, uh, what movie are we talking about this week on the podcast? The Last Night in Soho. When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. When you've got troubles, all the noise and the hurry seems to help, I know. Downtown. Just listen to the music of the traffic in the city. Linger on the sidewalks where the neon signs are pretty. How can you lose? in Soho. In Soho, um, London or England, uh, not in Soho, New York or Soho anywhere else. Or, or South Houston. So there's South Houston is South Soho. So not that either. Dang it. All right. <laughs> but yes, it's Last Night in Soho. Uh, it's Edgar Wright's new movie. Um, he did have another movie uh, this year, uh, the Sparks Brothers documentary. David, I don't know if you saw that yet, or um, it, if you have it, it's a great documentary. It's it, it's an absolutely great documentary. I didn't know anything about the Sparks Brothers going into it, and I just was just I was very very uh, like wowed by how Edgar Wright is also a very good documentarian because <laughs> um, it's it's very much stylistically. It's not a stylistic. It's very much, you know, stylistically his, but also, you know, it's a documentary, so it's interesting. But yes, we're here to talk about Last Night in Soho. Um, none of us have seen The French Dispatch yet, so we're going to move um, that probably to next week as we do Eternals. Uh, and just to kind of kick things off, non-spoilery, uh, what did you think of Last Night in Soho, David? I liked it. Um, not my favorite film from Edgar Wright by any means, but uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think it's a really unique uh, entry into his filmography compared to everything else he's done because this is his first, I guess, true thriller. Um, so that was interesting. And um, I mean, yeah, the, the cast is really good. Um, there's a lot of really impressive visual effects um, and really cool. Like they, there's, they, they released some like behind the scenes thing of showing the choreography for how they like switch the two actresses out like in between the end like dances and stuff. And it's really cool how 
well choreographed and shot that is to like provide the illusion that they're like it's multiple takes i guess or like yeah or it's one take it's being stitched or together it's one like take birdman. with the same yeah it's stitched together like birdman style basically um yeah it's a unique uh, entry in his filmography and it's you know and also it's another movie where like i mean he really like it, it so, so much like halloween kills with the flashbacks there's like this weird there's like this unique like retro look to last night in soho like it looks very fuzzy it looks very you know dense it looks very you know it looks very much like a film look uh, so I found that kind of interesting immediately, and then uh, it's not straight horror till like the second half of the movie. It's very much like, oh, we're having fun. It's <clears throat> it's kind of like a more energetic Midnight in Paris, if you will. Um, uh, it, it, and you brought up the performances. The performances are really good too, but also I'm much more. <laughs> colder on the movie because I don't really like the first half at all. The second half I think marginally massively improves but I was kind of just like waiting for stuff to happen you know in the first half of the movie basically um, Is there anything worth talking about before we get into spoilers? Because I'm I'm full. Like, this movie's hard to not spoil. Because there's so yeah. it's very layered and there's so much going on. And the trailer is very. I don't want to say will, misleading. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, that second trailer. I thought like sh when I saw the trailer, my friend and I thought it showed too much. And now that having seen the movie, I'm and I I see that trailer in a very different light. It's very intentionally misleading, and I like that. So I, yes. I'm kind of glad that it, it wasn't as spoilery as I thought it was. Yeah. That, that first teaser, like, I feel like did a great job of kind of like teasing the concept itself and like the very core of what the, the premise of the movie. And um, so I was kind of surprised when that second trailer showed as much as it did only. And then I was surprised again to find out that it wasn't as accurate as it seemed to be, I guess. Well, it's kind of what I would call the red herring trailer, where it's trying, because we also have to keep in mind this movie is a murder mystery. Like this movie at its heart is a murder mystery. Uh, so it's trying to be, throw you off so you don't, you don't see the big surprises coming. You don't see the, you know, what's hiding beneath the walls of the, of the, you know, of the, of the movie. And yeah, you're just trying to, you know, they're just trying to sell a movie without, you know, showing its hand. And I give them, I give Focus Features a lot of credit uh, for doing that because, I mean, they are stacked this month against a lot of competition, especially in the horror genre. Uh, so in coming out the two days before, the Halloween weekend doesn't always help you. So I commend like Focus Features for sticking to this like October slate in the midst of everything. So, yeah. Um, trying to think what else. The music was good. Mm -hmm. 
the music's pretty good. Like the gore and then the soundtrack is pretty good. But I mean, and I loved um, the cinematography. Uh, it's from the It cinematographer. Um, can I look up his name real quick? Cause I don't want to mispronounce this. Uh, Cause he's done work with Park Chan, Park Chan, Chan Woo, what, what, God, here. He's gonna um, be the, he's a cinematographer on the Kenobi show too. And he just finished uh, Uncharted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How interesting. Well, he, <laughs> yeah. Well, he worked with uh, Ruben Fleischer on uh, <clears throat> Zombieland 2. And so, uh, so I'm assuming that's just where like him and Flesher just like, because Flesher just kind of seemed like a decent guy. So I'm sure like when he finally got the Uncharted job, he was just calling in a bunch of favors. Like, can you come and work on this real quick? Um, but yeah, it, he, I think he did a, but I mean, yeah, I think uh, the direct, the DP's name is uh, Chung Hoon Chung. I mean, just absolutely, he did an absolutely great job here. I mean, just even capturing the film look for this. I mean, it looks fantastic. You know, it looks really good, you know, and then kind of blending it later with like the the strobe light scene in the club. And it, it's just really good work here. Really good work here. Is there anything else? I'm, I'm, real, I'm really stretching here to find... More detail. We can jump into spoilers. Okay. <sighs> okay, so we're now in, so yeah, we're now in spoilers, and here we go. What did you, can I throw it to you, what was the big surprise for you? I wasn't expecting, like, from the trailers, I wasn't, this is going to be a weird thing, but I wasn't expecting to be as invested in uh, Thomas McKenzie's character as I was. Like, I think they really invest you early from right from the, the beginning, the first act of the movie, I was really invested in what happened to her. And I really felt for her as she's like kind of being um, ostracized as she's kind of joining this fashion school and stuff. I had no idea that's what she was a fashion she was an aspiring fashion designer either so that was a surprise for me um I thought she was just kind of a young girl that happened to go to this stay in this um this room and where it's kind of supernatural stuff I mean that is kind of at, at the very core what it happens but I didn't know there was going to be all that background context and I liked the stuff about her mom kind of like living with her or kind of like like what happened to her mom kind of being like very um intrinsically linked into like almost everything she does like they uh where she'll like see her in the mirror and stuff um it's driving and then her. like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and her grim the actress that played her grandmother is like very sweet and it was like kind of like that perfect like grandmother like um very affectionate and uh supportive um i liked how he kind of like threaded this needle of like um, how dangerous the city of London is and kind of like as she's kind of she lives in like the countryside and comes into London and kind of like as you're from your you're seeing her point of view as she's kind of like 
coming to the city she's kind of like starting to see some of the sketchy things and it's like kind of like gradually builds over the course of the movie of course and um uh yeah all the stuff like I, I I think he really did a great job of investing you in her character very early on and then also I guess Christy Wilson Carnes uh who script who wrote it alongside Edgar Wright um I think their script does a really good job of like investing you in the characters and that's what I liked most about the first act and kind of like getting the kind of set up for the premise with I, I like that there's kind of no explanation and it just kind of at first it does feel like kind of uh I guess a dreamlike kind of, I guess, um, trip through, I guess, nostalgia trip type thing. And then it like becomes like a fever dream nightmare as the, over the course of the film. And I liked how he kind of like, he drew that, he, I guess he kind of carried that over to transition so, so um, sharply, I guess, to kind of go from, for something that seemed that she longed to go to the 60s London and then it becomes a nightmare for her and I think that was that was very well handled absolutely I think for me it's I mean the, the craftsmanship that comes with an Edgar Wright production it's all here like there there's some like I mean everything flows together and I, I will admit, like, I was really invested in Ellie's character because that whole, like, sequencing of shots, like, the moment she gets to London, I mean, she's already, like, she already feels preyed on by, you know, by the people around her. Like, she already feels, you know, icky and gross by the people around her. And it, and you can't, and it, it immerses you immediately that, you know, she's on her own and not only on her own, but she's already in competition. She's already, you know, she's only been in, she hasn't even started the fashion school and she's already in competition with these other girls. You know, it's like, it's really, like you feel her plight and you feel like, you know, yeah, she probably needs to get away from these people, these, these girls. And, uh, and then you even like, like her situation more because when she finally does when she does move with Miss Collins, it's you're very much like, yeah, this is ideal for her. Just you know, you know, it, but also on the flip side, you're like, this is not going to go well because she's still stuck. I mean, she just went to London to basically end up in the same situation that she was back in the country. She's living with an old woman and you know and has like basic old people values you know no boyfriends after eight o'clock um i mean she's you know she finds comfort in the mo in mrs collins and then ultimately realizes that comfort is holding her back you know it's holding mm -hmm. her back and it's even like driving her nuts because that's kind of like what the movie is representing to me is like the things that you're allowing yourself to hold yourself back, either nostalgia or grief or trauma, it's the very thing that's holding, it's the very thing that's going to drive you nuts. Like you, mm -hmm. because throughout this movie, I mean, she, even though we have no, I mean, does she say that she likes the 60s or does she 
or we're supposed to just imply because of the music? I felt like it was heavily implied because of how much 60s music she listens to. And then when she's kind of first taken to the 60s Soho in the, in the dream time travel, whatever, um, she like does seem very in awe in, in awe of everything and very enamored. And it seems like it's like kind of like, and I think she actually does say something about she likes this she liked that era she said there i think there's a time there's a there's a line where she says oh i could live in any um time it would be 60s london or something like that there there's a line like that somewhere in the movie and then they talk about uh there's then right after that they talk about the music her liking the music um and diana riggs character uh miss collins says uh the music certainly was better or something like it, it's 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 in that part of the movie okay. um Okay, I'm trying to remember the movie, um, but yeah, and 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 she is. She's for the whole first act. I mean, she's enamored by it so much that when she finally meets Sandy, and we have that like turn of what's so great about that scene in the what's it called the what's the club? I can't remember the club, but it's not the Rialto, but it's the anyway. The scene in the club, like where she's first walking in, she meets Matt Smith. Um, she runs into the guy from the henchman from Titanic. Um, and it's all really good stuff. Like she's enamored by like how, you know, everything was. She's enamored by the music. She's enamored by the atmosphere. She's even in, enamored by uh, Matt Smith's character's, you know, chivalry you know, him punching a guy that's trying to, you know, you know, you know, call her over. Like, she's very enamored by this whole life. And then, you know, as the movie goes on, you, I mean, you just see, like, Sandy's life just steadily get worse and worse and worse. So... I will say that aspect of it, like, kind of, like, her becoming essentially, like, a sex worker, um that took me by surprise i didn't had no idea that was i thought she was just going to be a club singer based on the trailers so oh. that was something that surprised me well i mean yeah and i caught yeah i mean after a while like in the movie i was kind of figuring oh my gosh she's about to be thrown into this life she's about to be thrown into the unknowing that you know Matt Smith's character is just, you know, a pimp, essentially. And, and to me, that's when the movie takes the dark turn of like, yeah, the 60s was great, but there was also like people that suffered in, you know, in the pursuit of, be, of you know, becoming artists or in, mm-hmm. in attempt to becoming artists. Because there's a reason there, she doesn't know who Sandy is when we meet her, so... You know, even though she has a very, she has that wonderful downtown scene, the mm-hmm. downtown song scene. Yeah, it's wonderful. But yeah, it's, but yeah, it, it gets worse and worse. And then while this is happening, she's kind of having, you know, feelings for this for John Michael Ajo's character. Although it's more, it's still platonic. It's but she still has feelings. But she's still developing, you know, kind of a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know. 
and that's working and to me this is where the movie kind of drags because it's just like she's going dreams and things are getting worse then you know she's still building this you know pink nightgown and it's just like it's just a gown <laughs> like what's so special about this why is everyone ooing and aahing over this pink gown <laughs> i don't know i don't know i was what... like i i, I kind of just like kind of went with it because i'm like well i'm not a fashion person so me whatever <laughs> me neither but i'm like this gown is really simple why are we just like so enamored by it mm -hmm. um but every and so it's grabbing everyone's attention you know and ultimately like she's trying to get away from it but the more she gets away from it the ghosts keep coming after especially after the scene uh with sam claflin's character Lindsay, uh who's like you know if you are not ashamed of yourself look and look at yourself in the mirror and you know in that moment ellie is trying to you know she's trying to break the veil to make you know sandy look in the mirror and it's just horrifying i thought it was i thought it was kind of fascinating that like they never explained the I guess the dream aspect of it of her being kind of transported and like I like that they left it intentionally vague because they didn't really need to explain it away and that could have like gotten into like this huge exposition dump that kind of just like overturns the movie um I was glad they didn't go that route but I, it was just really fascinating to me that like Sandy seemed to at times be almost aware of Eloise and so it, it's interesting to like think about maybe the implications of that yeah i mean my kind of you know read on it is it's like a dream it's like how you know when we go to sleep you know we just enter into or we are just middle, all of a sudden thrust into it we don't know exactly how we got there um but we're just there we just our logic like our brain is just like okay we're just it just accepts the reality right there um so so for her it's and also i think the dreams themselves are trying to tell the story of sandy and how sandy did die like how sandy as a the person that she was before she came to soho you know died after she became the after she you know was murdered i'm doing air quotes by matt smith uh, and that's why, so that's my kind of interpretation of it. It's the dreams are trying to tell a story to Ellie. You know, it, mm -hmm. they're trying to tell this like cautionary tale. And the more and more it gets ugly, you know, the more the story is trying to get to her because like, no, this is an important story. Like you have to take it. You have to understand, like the ghosts are trying to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's interesting to me that like when when Sandy gets the hickey, she also gets the hickey in the real life. That was another interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's almost kind of a nod to like the Nightmare on Elm Street films because if something like if you get burned or scratched or your clothes get, you know, torn in one reality, you come back with that, you know in the same way that in the in the norm in the other in the normal reality so mm -hmm. yeah it, it's really interesting 
Um, other than that, I'm, other than that, like, um, I kind of was starting to see the twist with Lindsay, like, or Terrence Stamp's character, because the trailer, it tries to lead you to think, think that Terrence Stamp is, um, is, uh, Matt Smith. And, <laughs> and in the movie, it's just Sam Claflin's character that we met earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that because, and this is the reason why I want to see this movie again, is because I want to see, like, the movie from Terrence Stamp's character, like, from his point of view. Because the whole thing with Terrence Stamp is he's a detective, uh, he's, you know, works for Vice, you know, he's, you know, he was there when, you know, quote unquote, Sandy was committing all these murders. Or Mrs. Collins was committing all these murders on these men. So, you know, does he know that it's Sandy that's doing all this? Or is he just been like, or is he just kind of like Woody Harrelson and True Detective, just like, I just don't even care. <laughs> just leave me alone. <laughs> uh, like, 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 what is, like, I kind of want to know more about Lindsay as a character. So, uh, you know, and, and it's a great, tw- and I actually give credit to Edgar Wright. It's a good twist. Like, it's a good red herring mm-hmm. and a twist. Um, although, when I first saw Sam Claflin's character, I kind of started to put it together that it was Terrence Stamp or the gray old man because they both sound the same and they have the same exact blue eyes. I just kind of overlooked it because it was, he was in it so short, <laughs> he was in it like so briefly. I was just like, okay, this is like this is just part of the dream. It's like I didn't really think there was much significance to it until like obviously later. So I, I kind of was just along for the ride. I didn't really predict the only thing like I kind of started to see. I started to seeing the Sandy reveal coming as Miss Collins was pulled her in and talked to her. Like around that point was when I kind of started piecing things together. But that was a great twist also, and. Diana Rigg like sold the hell out of that scene um Mm -hmm. and let's see yeah I I liked that twist that it was like she was actually the one killing or well that all the horrible things that uh that Eloise saw in the dreams did happen but then like she kind of got like revenge for them and killed the men in return and I liked that when she was going to the library and searching for like the the murders to try to piece it together that they like they foreshadow like there's all these like random missing men but like you don't really think of anything of it as you're because you're just like okay well this is london people die all the time or whatever but there's like all these men that went missing it's and so then yeah good yeah um good sorry okay uh so then like that she does she's like kind of unable to like really find that final piece of the puzzle like she's so determined to find who sandy's killer was and she's so like honed in on that that she doesn't realize the true reality of the situation but then like also the dreams haven't really shown her that because um she hasn't i guess arrived at that point chronologically Mm -hmm. 
Well, I mean, she's so determined to find anything on Sandy because that's all she has. You know, she knows it's she knows it's Alexandra. Alexandra, you know, is her real name, but she goes by Sandy. So she's looking for anything like a missing report, something that will link her to, you know, to finding her killer, to finding, you know, the other people and other men in her dreams. Um, you know, and she thinks, you know, that she's just, she's trying to prove that it's Terrence Stamp, but it's not, it's not him at all. And that's what's so cool about the movie is, and that's why I think it would be so interesting to rewatch it because then you would start to see like, oh, it is Diana. Like it has to be because she's, it's her house where it's all happening. And she's about the appropriate age of where, you know, Sandy would be in the 60s and then cut to, you know, 60 years or 50, 60 years down the line. Um, so, I mean, she's the exact age because, and it's, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. And then like her ground rules for the, the house, like no, no men in the house after um, 8 p.m., um, it kind of like kind of goes hand in hand with that too like of course she would be very uh, wary of that yeah she yeah I mean, yeah it's I mean it's still disguised in the beginning as like this old people rules old women you know yeah. rules um, but I mean yeah now in hindsight it's like oh of course of course she doesn't want anyone in she doesn't want anyone she doesn't want the events that happened to her now happen to ellie or other women mm-hmm. that's kind of like where so the so i've been seeing i don't know how you feel exactly about the ending but i've been seeing a lot of people not happy with the ending in the movie or the ending twist i kind of like I kind of liked it up to like basically the final shot. Okay. Like I, I thought like it was a good like a kind of emotional catharsis, and then Sandy shows up in the mirror, and I'm like, what? <laughs> that was what I was kind of like. That's kind of where I guess I checked out. That was one thing at the about the ending. I was just like, why? Like I guess it's kind of maybe to like say like she's still with her and like she's still gonna haunt her or something or I don't know but I, I was like that that seems weird I kind of liked it better when it was like her mom appeared <laughs> I, I liked I liked the ending on the note of her seeing her mom again because you don't really see that um it kind of bookends the movie nicely and it like also is kind of like she's been so obs- so fixated and obsessed with Sandy and kind of like seeing her like kind of realize like maybe I kind of like realize like how dangerous London is and kind of like have more of an awareness for like how things like that can like drive a person insane and then like kind of like seeing her mom at the end of all that kind of feels like a nice emotional catharsis and I felt like that was like the stronger end point to kind of maybe end it like right there I kind of wish that's where the movie had ended but then it keeps going a few minutes and then you see Sandy for reasons (laughs) Okay, so yeah, right. Um, so for me, I do like the Sandy twist and I do lo- love how it is handled because the movie doesn't let Sandy off the hook, but it also is still, it, it rides that line perfectly of like empathy and, you know, not, you know, 
not throwing her off the hook. Like she still murdered these men. You know, she mm-hmm. still committed the act of murder. Um, but I mean, but Ellie is still like sympathetic. Like she, because I mean, yeah. Ellie's been with her the entire time in the sixties, and has seen like her repeatedly, you know, give herself to these men. You know, forcibly give herself to these men. And so for me, the way I interpret the ending is Wright's kind of way of, first of all, I think this is, I forgot to say this in the beginning, I think this is Wright's most mature film in like subject matter and theme. Uh, Because most of his movies are just about like, you know, men or men or boys just having to deal with like their own, you know, their own like, you know, bullshit, their own like, you know, uncaring their own thing that's going on in their lives, their own like kind of, you know, trying to, you know, deal with their own mundaneness or their own, you know, job. Here it's about uh, a woman who's very nostalgic for a time period and reconciling with the best and the worst of it. And I feel like that's what the ending is symbolizing is her, you know, coming to terms with like, you know, yes, it was great. It was great that we got Thunderball, you know, in the six. It was great that Sean Connery was James Bond, <laughs> but uh, a lot of people still suffered for, you know, in that time. There was a lot of, you know, there was still a great more deal of misogyny, and and the whole movie is this reconciliation of, you know, the trauma that's happening. Did you hear that? Yes. Hmm. Okay, but yeah, it's it, it's about like reconciliation and the trauma. So when we finally get to the epilogue, where you know we see the runway of her in sixties gowns. Um, again, I I don't know anything about fashion, but I'm still wondering why these gowns are like the most amazing gowns that ever were created. <sighs> but anyway. When we finally, you know, get to the runway and she sees her, you know, mom in the mirror and then Sandy, I feel like that's both just her, you know, reconciliation. It's just the way I just see it, it's just reconciliation of the, of the past. Like she's finally, she's finally accepted, you know, the things that have influenced her and these things that are influenced her are going to stay with her for better or worse. So... And and to be fair, most Edgar Wright movies end in a bittersweet moment, so I kind of see it as like, yeah, she's going to still have her loving mother and just smile at her in approval, but on the flip side, she's going to always have Sandy there and remember all the mm-hmm. shit that you know, she endured in Soho. So to, to have, just so you know, she can have her own like self-confidence to be with other people, to be with other people her own age, because mm-hmm. now because now at the ending of the that runway, she's respected. She's respected by her, by most of her peers, and she has you know her grandmother. And I guess, I guess John is, or let me see. I guess John is and her are just a thing, just or just platonic people now. But yeah, yeah, and I'm not. Yeah, and I'm not too overly worried about it. Again, this, to me, I don't think this is Edgar Wright's best movie, but then again, 
uh, on as I've said on Twitter, usually on an Edgar Wright movie, I have to kind of watch it a couple more times to realize just how like impeccably well crafted it is. Mm-hmm. Like, like it took me like two or three times to watch Baby Driver and be like, oh yeah, this is like a great like A rated movie. Um, or you know, hot, same with Hot Fuzz or not Hot Fuzz, uh, World's End and Scott Pilgrim. So yeah, I'm eager to watch rewatch this and also like it looks it's a stunning movie like it's a stunning looking mm-hmm. movie i i can't wait to see i i hope you know edgar wright goes back to bill pope a bit one more time i know he's i guess i guess bill pope was getting busy on um uh shang or chi while this was happening so uh but this is still a good choice i'm i'm very happy to see Edgar Wright step out of his comfort zone. Uh, Very much so. Do you have any more uh, thoughts on Last Night in Soho? Um, I love the third act, like with all the insanity with the house burning down and all that. That was great. Um, And like, it was, there was, we, we didn't really touch on this, but like, there was like a lot of genuinely uh, a kind of borderline scary borderline intense like a lot of jump scares too that like were really effective like they caught me totally off guard like uh, a lot of them had to do with like cars in the street that would appear at like be- just because of the way the camera is positioned and um, you you don't realize there's a car there which is like exactly what the character is experiencing in that moment but like a car will come up suddenly and like the it, it'll just take you off guard and then um, those ghosts, like the faceless men ghosts, those were scary looking. <laughs> they were very creepy. Oh yeah, I mean, I I was in shock when it one shot. Like it, I think it's the shot of like all of them just standing in front of the her bathroom, mm-hmm. and it's just like, oh god, that's. I mean, that's horrifying. Even like after or she thinks that she's waking up, she's still not safe. Like these ghosts yeah. follow her to the other to the to her reality. Like yeah, that's scary. And, and the car thing, like it's a great little, it's a great kind of, it's almost like a great running joke because everyone's just running mm-hmm. and then no one's like run, you know staying on sidewalks or just everyone's just walking you know freely on the street. They're so they're not they're not in tune with reality and the car is they'll snap them back <laughs> and i did not expect the the one that took me off guard the most was when Lindsay walks out and just gets hit and dies i guess and like that was that one took me the most off guard like but i was just like in shock of i was like wow <laughs> yeah i mean like english people do y'all not like is that like a thing y'all just run out in the road? Like, <laughs> like I, I have, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, makes, it reminds yeah. me of, um, did you see, did you see um, Life Itself, the, uh, the the movie from the, the creator of Life? Uh, this oh, is God, us, no. Where no. Like, in the very it's, beginning. It terrible. It sounded terrible. You haven't seen it? No, it sounded terrible. So I didn't do okay. it. So, do you mind if I talk about it? Go, go ahead. I know a lot about it, but go ahead. Okay. Well, so, I, Olivia Cook 
is the daughter of Oscar Isaac and Olivia Wilde. And it turned and she's like kind of processing like all this trauma, like they died when she was younger. But like the way they they died is they like accidentally they like walk into the road and a bus just hits them. Oh. <laughs> I, I thought so okay wait i thought olivia wilde like walked in the street and then got ran over and then oscar isaac like killed himself in front of annette benning oh that okay that's what happened i knew one of them died by hitting getting hit by a bus like she walks backwards into the road and then it gets hit by a bus <laughs> <laughs> oh my just God. like while we're on the subject of people running into the roads in movies but this is like (laughs) totally different subtext and it's like almost hilarious (laughs) it's i mean you could call it a running gag to not call it a running joke but it's still uh but it's still like oh my god it's still uh, like it's still it's funny but also like it it hits you when Terrence Stamp's character dies or goes out. You know, it's, cause, I mean, he's like, just like, f- fuck off. Like, I don't know who, like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know this, you know, because I'm sure he's thinking, yeah, what, what are you talking about? That character that you're talking about is dead, that you think I am is dead. Quit, quit harassing me. And <laughs> then she finds out that it's not the guy and it's just like, Oh shit! Damn it, Ellie, you got someone killed. Um, also, Ellie almost kills a person, and no repercussions come of it. Yeah, the fucking bitch. That, <laughs> the yeah, one that the, the, the one that was. She yeah, almost kind of deserved that. <laughs> like, if we're being honest. Um, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh. Anyways. <laughs> That the one that was her roommate, she was so mean. Um, yeah, so there was, I was I was kind of wondering if anything would come of that, and then it just didn't. Um, I liked when Diana Rugg or Diana Rigg, not Diana Rugg, uh, Diana Rigg, uh, when she's speaking with her, and then the reveal that she poisoned her tea, uh, because she didn't want to like, she didn't want her to go out in like a painful way, I guess. Or like she didn't want to like stab this little girl, <laughs> but then she's then she changes her mind when she starts running up the stairs in the burning building. Well, she saw John, and that, I mean that just immediately yeah. put her off. So you yeah. Know. Oh well. Also, poor John. I mean, in this movie, he, he yeah, yeah, he just. I mean, he you know all you know, I mean the poor guy like he's trying to be a good friend, and then you know, Ellie, and then they finally you know just have that you know in moment of connection and they try to hook up and of course you know the matt smith murder just happens right there and the poor guy like he's like in this house where he's got to be quiet and elliot's like losing her fucking shit she's spazzing out you know and not yeah poor guy and he's probably was so confused like what the heck this girl's just screaming at me (laughs) yeah and then you know to make the scene even more uncomfortable, you know, Diana Rick's character is like, I'm calling the police, which is like, what the fuck mm. is happening? Edgar, what, Edgar Wright, what are you fucking doing? Uh, Edgar Wright, it's 2021, and 
you're running yourself into this situation. What the fuck are you doing? I was so uncomfortable during that whole moment, both intentionally and unintentionally. Uh, I was so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel really bad for John because he's just like the one man. He's like the one male character trying to help. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like genuinely such a good person, and he's just getting stuck in. It. And then he gets stabbed in the <laughs> then in the like abdomen. Yeah, left to bleed out. Yeah. Yeah, bleed out in this one, burning house. One thing, I think if I could change one thing about the third act, I would have Eloise take the picture frame, retrieve the picture frame from the, the burning room. The picture of her mom and grandmother. Oh, okay. Oh, no, she lost that in the fire. Damn it. She what? lost all her records, too. Oh, She lost shit. everything. Damn. I think I like because you know if you think about it, like you know how you're always posed that question. Um, what would you save in a burning building? Or like uh, if your if your house caught on fire, what is the one thing you would save? Like I feel like uh like it would have been telling about her character. I mean, it's it's kind of implied that that's a very significant photo for her, especially with it, since her mom's dead. But um uh I, I think that is one thing I would, if I could change one thing about the movie, that's what it would be. You know, I'm okay with it though, because um, the whole burning of the house is like, you know, burning of the past, you know, letting go mm-hmm. of it. So, and that's really the conflict of Ellie's character is like, you know, she needs to, she needs to get with the real world. She needs to get with, you know, our world and, you know, and learn how to, you know, fight for herself in uh, in a still misogynistic world. And, it, and also a world full of mean girls, a world filled with really competitive women. Um, so uh, to Speaking me, about I, the mean girls, mm-hmm. I thought it was like very, kind of seemed very true to how like kind of those vapid girls can be where, where like, they were talking about like she was like oh my mom killed like like my mom died and then she was like she killed herself and then like the other girl was like trying to compete with like having like a worse trauma or like you know yeah. like she was trying to tell the girls like oh well my mom died too like and all this stuff like trying to compete with how who who has the worst backstory I guess or like <laughs> yeah 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 it's awful i mean and then in the bathroom i mean she's you know in there listening to like like god it's so inconvenient to for her to drop her trauma like that like what the like yeah and it's like they literally ask her about it and then they're upset that she's like being awkward around them like when she's like never been around people like this and they're like kind of just acting like bitches and <laughs> yeah they're just awful it's you know and but i mean that, that's what i kind of love about and i don't know how much of the script was written by either one uh, Edgar Wright or Cor- um what's her name uh christy christy wilson, christy wilson i don't know how current carnes or i don't i don't know how to pronounce the last part but um yeah yeah i don't know like how much of all that, you know, is either right or Carnes or just even together. But I mean, it's still like, 
really good dialogue. It really fleshes out all the, the characters in this like this like kind of flat suite. And you know, and it, it fleshes everyone, but also it puts Ellie at, at you know at the perfect disadvantage because now she's like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be with these vapid girls. I don't want to face, you know you know, this kind of, I don't want to face this competition. I want to go to school to learn. You know, I want to go to school to be a fashion designer. So that's what it is. And that's, I was just very, I was very into it. And then once the six, and then again, like once the 60 stuff started, I kind of wasn't, after a while, just like, okay, what's, what are we going to do here? Um, and because the movie is kind of like, I think this movie probably could have been like 10 minutes shorter. I think. Because um, this movie is still efficient. It's just like, I think it could have been just paced a little better. Yeah. Um, even though the last 10 minutes, like a lot is happening in the last 10 minutes of this movie. Like, yeah, my problems weren't really with the pacing at all. Is more, I guess, other things. Mm-hmm. All right. So, is there anything to talk about? Uh, anything else to talk about uh, with Edgar Wright's new horror, first entry into horror? Um, I feel like we kind of touched on all the major things. At least I can't really think of anything else right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than I. I think it's a beautiful movie, and if you're lucky to live near a place that's showing it on 35 millimeter film, I I haven't seen it on film. Um, I'm not, but I, but just like imagining like the look of the movie and seeing it like on a film projected screen, I think it would look fantastic. So if you're, I think L, I know Los Angeles definitely has it playing in the New Beverly. So if you're lucky to have it seen in 35, I would recommend that. Um, other than that, um, I other than that, I, I recommend Last Night in Soho. Seconded. <laughs> yeah. This is just like a very good time to be a fan of movies because we have Last Night in Soho, Dune, No Time to Die all out right now. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's, even if you're not interested in those, um, then there's like antlers, um, which I I haven't gotten to, but it looks interesting. Um, and then venom and what Halloween kills. Uh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, I mean, it's a good time. And then even if you're, uh, even if you're, I mean, if you're a Marvel fan, I mean, we get the new um, uh, Eternals next week even though everyone is already hating it and called it the worst movie ever made and you know and everyone's already mad at it for so, you know for reasons unfortunately i mean I, even though like only like 90 even though only like 1% of the world has seen it maybe even less than that but everyone mm-hmm. but no it's the worst movie it's the worst marvel movie yet it's the worst one you know it's going to be the yeah that's ridiculous. This is no one's seen the movie yet, but everyone hates it already. It's ridiculous to me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So there's that. And then, um, I mean, Netflix is starting to ramp up. I just got, uh, I don't know if you're interested in the new Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie, Red Notice, but it's going to be in theaters next oh, year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then they they released, I, I didn't watch it, but Army of Thieves came out on Netflix <laughs> this past weekend. It's a prequel to Army of the Dead. Mm-hmm. If you're a Mike Flanagan fan, uh, Midnight Mass is out. I mean, it's a good time. Like, finally, content is coming out. Like, the content is coming out. Uh, and then, like, two weeks or so, we get Ghostbusters and King Richard. And uh, I think that's... Licorice a- pizza is coming. Yes. Is it, <laughs> New but is PTA. It, yes. Is it this month or next month? Do you know? I saw it bunched together with November but I think it might be like a limited release and then they'll roll out. Because <laughs> I, I think it, the wide release is Christmas, I think. Okay. I know. And then Spencer Spencer is next week also. I'm looking forward to that. Good grief. I'm going to have to call out a day. To- and then <laughs> Bel- Belfast is November 12th. Yeah, and I just saw the trailer for it. It looks really, looks really good. Looks really like a fun, it looks like a crowd pleaser. I've managed to avoid everything for it, and so I'm gonna go in blind. <laughs> I I caught I, I was there last night in Soho in the middle, and they showed it was one of the last trailers they showed because it's a focus feature. Mm. I missed um, all the trailers <laughs> because I got there. So normally, my theater will show like 20 minutes of trailers. I got there at like 7:13. And I walked in and it was like already the beginning of the movie. So I was like rushing to sit down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I saw like the title card come up and she was like wearing a newspaper dress. Did anything really happen before that or? (laughs) I don't think so. I think maybe just like an establishing shot, but that's it. Um, By the way, I do love the title fonts for this movie. It's reminiscent of, Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know if you know this, I think it's reminiscent of the Red Shoes um, title font, uh, for Criterion at least. But either... I'm not familiar. <laughs> Google it and tell me... Just Google it and Google it later. Um, but yeah, it's... I thought, okay. it was, I thought it was a good movie. Um, and yeah, you didn't miss anything. I think... I, actually, I did miss... I had to go to the back... I had to go to the restroom during the middle of the movie... But I don't think I missed anything significant. So it was like around the 45 minute mark. So do you remember um, what was going on? I think we were in the middle of one of the club scenes, maybe the one just before uh, Lindsay came on the screen for the or Sam Claflin's character. Oh, um, I think pretty much she's just Sandy was just kind of like being paraded around the clubs and she was kind of just like vibing and dancing and then being taken by men or whatever okay gotcha. so i don't think you really missed it kind of i feel like that was kind of communicated regardless so you didn't miss too much <laughs> yeah i kind of i kind of figured that much um because i was like it was in between like dream sequences and i was like i yeah i gotta let me tap out for just a minute um yeah it's me yeah, i'm I think it's a good movie and yeah everyone see see if you can um and this is a great time to go to the movies uh well we're pandemic um 
not included, but it's a good, there's lots to come out. And we haven't even talked about French Dispatch yet. So, um, but yeah. All right. So, which is not playing everywhere. <laughs> you know, like in their, on the posters, it says like select theaters October 22nd, everywhere October 29th. Somehow my theater had got Lamb and Titan earlier this month, but still has yet to receive the French Dispatch. Your theater is still your theater is still mad at uh, Wes Anderson for Grand Budapest. I guess so. <laughs> or Isla Dogs. I don't, Isla Dogs was the last one. Okay, but yeah, um, yeah. When they well, when they meant like now playing everywhere, they meant everywhere in the state of Georgia, because it's almost it's almost everywhere, including places I didn't even think they would show a Wes Anderson movie um so mm -hmm. yeah i was completely so completely surprised um so come to georgia to see the french dispatch <laughs> folks um all right enough fun uh david where do you have a blog and where can the good people find you yeah it's called film assessment uh you can find um i have a twitter handle for that and then you can find me it's the same film assessment and then you can find me on twitter at wiser underscore david i'm glad to be back again all right and uh you can find me at uh movie kale on twitter for updates on the podcast and uh we are going to have some more updates on the from the top um podcast very soon i've recorded a new episode but it's not the next episode in the chronology chronology of the show so uh we'll have more updates on that as soon as possible thanks everyone uh we'll be back for you next week for the eternals and hopefully the french dispatch we'll 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 check in uh thanks everyone we'll be back very soon much you can forget all your troubles forget all your cares so go down